Welcome back to the Cable Boys, the internet's only podcast about movies, motherfuckers. That is right, Justin. We are just three guys who like to stab people through the neck with some sort of sharp object, who like to watch movies from our childhood that were inappropriate for one reason or another. Like 1994's satire, Natural Born Killers, directed by Oliver Stone. A good, a good place where you can find... Probably score some acid, I think. Uh-huh. I think he's yeah. taking a lot of acid. Yeah, I think if you lick the uh, VHS of this movie, you fucking <laughs> go on an acid trip. Yeah, does he uh, Does he hermetically seal every package on his own? <laughs> Although, I don't know what feels like more like an acid trip, this movie or JFK. Because JFK also feels like an acid trip. Oh, I think this by far. Well, this then... is like like purposely, but like yeah. JFK has like... And then I would say Nixon even more than JFK, mm. and then, but the the most I would say any given Sunday, mm. where, oh. which is where it sort of goes off the rails. Yeah, but that movie, been... and I think Natural Born Killers, and we'll talk about it. I think both of those movies have aged really well. Like I think any given Sunday might have just been way ahead of its time. Yeah, and now that we know more about the NFL. When you go to watch it, you're like, oh, oh, yeah. That's exactly what he was talking about. He's a All very the- prescient uh, filmmaker. Yeah. He, uh, he definitely, he, he saw the direction that this country was headed in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he predicted uh, a, lot of, a lot of things on the horizon. Wait, is he canceled? Did they cancel? I think they, tr- tr- I think he's, it's tried many times. No, I don't think he, he canceled. Did he, did he try to do like something uh, with like, Putin or something like that, or like defended Putin or he, something. He, he definitely defended Putin. Uh, it's a, it's been a little disappointing to see where he's gone because mm-hmm. now it's now I'm just like, oh, you've lost your mind or you've lost your uh, perspective on things. Uh, I think he was quoted as saying Russians are better off with Putin than they've ever been, and it's mm. clearly not true. I mean, I, I don't even think that's being. Uh, subjective you know what that i mean is, yeah. that's a very strange perspective to have and yeah. to say out loud more so but i think with oliver stone the thing i always go back to with him is that um he served his country i mean he was mm-hmm. in vietnam and so i i think he speaks from a place of like like i listen you know what i mean like he may have some crackpot ideas but uh i i i i think he's a very intelligent guy and it's yeah. like, well, you may not be right all the time, but but on this movie, I think he's right on the money. He's not right all the time, but also back into the left. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also do to get serious for one second. We there was a tragedy in Atlanta That's where true. some people were shot, eight people, six women, and we debated whether to do this movie still, and we're going to. And so we're going to talk about shootings and stuff like that. So if that upsets anybody, go check the private parts episode if you haven't. <laughs> if not, I don't, I don't know what else. There's a lot of other things. A lot of channels. Yeah. It's also sucky. Like, this is the shitty thing about America is, like, on any given day, there could be a mass shooting and that'll just, that'll kind of correspond to whatever you're doing. Yeah. Way. But I think the reason why I wanted to still talk about the movie is not not just because it is still relevant because there's still shootings i think what's amazing about natural born killers is he really puts the media on trial in this movie mm-hmm. and i think he's 100 percent correct and i i do want to start off with a a quote of his it's a little lengthy but he was on the charlie rose show when this movie came out he goes it's a film that i think you'll either love or you'll hate I think there's certain older folk who aren't going to go for it. It depends. If you take this literally, 
you might be upset. This film was meant to be taken satirically. We live in a culture of gossip, a culture of surveillance. The private has become public. What we shot, meaning the movie, became real and everything became less surreal. The Mickey and Mallory story could happen any day now. And if it did, those kids would be all over the newspapers. They'd be on the cover of People magazine. They'd be the heroes for a couple weeks and then vanish. People would get bored with them, like they get bored with any story and move on to the next one. It's a weird time, the 90s. Uh, this has become a century of violence that's coming to a conclusion. I think it's either going to reach absurdly new proportions or else it's gonna die out and people will get sick of this and will reach a level of sanity in our public behavior. Less emphasis on the private, less surveillance, I don't know. I think we went the, I think we went the former. I think we went yeah. <laughs> into uh, those epic levels of absurdity. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, there was another point where he was just talking about, um, ob- obviously, uh, they bought the script from Quentin Tarantino, mm-hmm. uh, and it was focused a lot more uh, on sort of the news character, and he made it more centralized about uh, about these two killers. Um, and in in the end, almost made almost made them like sort of anti heroes. I can mm-hmm. uh, like obviously he's doing it st- satirically, but I can also see why. Uh, there were copycats off of this movie because, like, in the end, he's the only one who isn't crazy. Right. He's he's like he's the one who like who takes down the news system, and he's the one who's like, uh, you know, uh, gets to raise his kids in an RV <laughs> for the rest of his life. Yeah, they won. I mean, yeah, they win. Which yeah. I think is maybe the only place you could take that movie since it's as satirical as it is, you know what uh-huh. I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't think they could get punished in the end. He did. There There was definitely an alternate <clears throat> ending where the um, the inmate who ushers them out ends up uh, turning the gun on on the two. Uh, mm-hmm. But he he said it was a very 90s thing to have the <laughs> the bad guys win. I, I do, back to your point, I do think that, like, O.J. Simpson... Uh, just like taking over the airwaves, the news media realized that they were making more money than they ever had just with wall-to-wall coverage. And so I'm not surprised that we're in the place that we are now. Like uh, the capitalism uh, tank doesn't start stop rolling for anyone. And I do just want to share one other thing. It's not the New York Times. Um, but I, I, I want to see if you guys think this is weird. This is uh, Colbert. This is last night. Did you guys do you guys know what I'm sharing? No. I do not. Everybody, welcome to a late show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Happy St. Patrick's Day. It's a big day for me. Since I'm Irish, I'm 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 a Culbert. I'm a Tuck, I'm a Fee, I'm a Conley, I'm a Tormy, I'm an O'Neill. In fact, I scored hundred percent on rotten potatoes. Because of the pandemic, St. Patrick's Day is very different this year. For instance, here in New York, they couldn't hold the normal parade. They just had a small one to keep the tradition technically alive. And to ensure no crowds would show up, organizers invited Bill de Blasio. (laughs) The CDC is telling people to stay home this year because attending gatherings to celebrate St. Patrick's Day increases your risk of getting and spreading COVID-19, an even greater risk of spreading cartoonish stereotypes. Stay six feet away from me, pot of gold. The CDC's warning really takes a shillelagh to all the beloved St. Patty's Day traditions like green beer and shamrocks and those buttons that say, lick me, I'm Irish. And I'm sure these new warnings are going to be very effective because if there's one thing St. Patrick's Day is known for, it's responsible decisions. (laughs) The CDC says the safest way to celebrate St. Patrick's Day this year is to gather virtually. So heartfelt thanks to all the revelers tonight having their drunken fistfights on Zoom. Now, the White House got into St. Patrick's Day spirit today by dyeing the water in the White House fountain, finally delivering on Joe Biden's campaign promise of creating new green jobs. In the afternoon, Biden held a virtual meeting with Irish Taoiseach and man whose hair was driven out along with Ireland's snakes, Michal 
Martin. Now, his name kind of looks like Michael, but it's pronounced Mihol. It's just one of those weird Irish things, like how Seen is pronounced Sean, and Sioban is pronounced Siobhan, and soda bread is considered food. <laughs> Biden came dressed for the occasion, wearing a clump of shamrocks in his suit pocket. Either that or he's slowly turning into a chia prez. Of course, the reason we have a lot of Irish Americans is because over the centuries, Americans have come to this country from all over the world. And one group of Americans too often threatened by racism is Asian Americans. The most recent horrifying example of that threat just played out tragically in Atlanta, where eight people, including six Asian women, were killed. And I see on the TV that police are reporting that the guy who admits he did it says it had nothing to do with race. But why should we believe him? He's a murderer. And the fact is, six Asian women are dead at a time when that community is already living under a cloud of fear. And in moments like this, I, I never know what to say other than that our hearts go out to everyone struck by this terrible tragedy. That, yeah, I, I, know, I know why you had us watch that. <laughs> Do you? Is that weird to me? Is, is that a weird video? It's a little bit weird that he uh, glorifies exactly in uh, in just like taking every stereotype of yeah. Irish yeah. people. I I think he is uh, he has the the golden pass by being Irish himself and stating it at the beginning. But but yeah, it's it was negative stereotype after negative yes. stereotype. Okay. Yeah. And then just a hard, hard turn. Hard yes. turn. Yeah, it's a hard <laughs> like, turn. Oh, there's my exit to to uh, Sanctimoniousville, and he just fucking even... <laughs> jetting three lanes across the freeway to get to the right side of something. And he I did... would say stick to telling jokes, but as we learned <laughs> in the first half of that video, all those jokes are terrible. The one guy who wrote them in the room really enjoyed them. <laughs> like in the background. Like I, that is just a bizarre video to me, and it's I, I, we we often say like stay in your lanes. I just want to tell talk show hosts like maybe your lane is to fucking come out and do a crappy monologue, bring Seth Rogen out to talk about his movie nobody's gonna watch, and then bring out Ooh. Fleet Foxes or whoever. Like, Shots it's just, fired. I don't. It's just very weird to me. It's um, I don't know. I just I just wanted to share that, and I'm sort of glad that you guys picked up on what I found weird. I mean, I, <laughs> it was impossible not to pick it up. It was, mm. it was just such a, like the, the dichotomy was so explicit, like, <laughs> right. but between a, uh, a two second pause, he had waited <laughs> for the one guy's laughter to die down <laughs> for less than a second yeah. before. Yeah. It was also where there was part of the same monologue. It'd be different if like, yes. he took a break. He took a break, like, well, we're going to come right. back from a break. And then comes back and right. I was like, hey, I just want to address this thing. But yeah, but to just like. But here's here's four drunken Irishman jokes in a row. And then, hey, America, stop making fun of people who are different than you. It's like, uh, he did. He, the Also, just like the, the cadence of his delivery really wasn't that different. And yeah, so I, know, yeah. I kept waiting for him to drop back into an Irish punchline. He yeah. said something about like, it's hitting us so hard. I thought he was going to say with a shillelagh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, interesting. Just, uh, bizarre. But Justin, this was your movie. Yeah, bro. So I saw this movie in the theater at the Edwards Mountain Three, which Kevin, I don't know if you remember that is, uh, like on Seventh and Mountain. It's not there anymore. It's now a Michaels, I believe. Like every movie theater is going to become uh, a Michaels or a Joanne's or a, a Hobby Lobby. People love uh, Crafton. Yeah, they're the same size too. <laughs> Anyways, I remember I told my mom I wanted to go see it, and so she. I was fourteen when it came out, and the only reason I wanted to see it is because I saw Pulp Fiction had just come out and it was when I had seen Rizzo Dogs and I was like, oh fucking this is awesome. Like and 
to the marketer's credit, they did do a good job of being like, Quentin Tarantino is associated with this movie in some way. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> it's a Quentin Tarantino movie. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. It is not a Quentin Tarantino movie. Meanwhile, Quentin Tarantino is like, take my name off of the yes. credits. Yeah. I Jesus don't want Christ. any part of this. I am yeah. going to uh, release <laughs> my own screenplay just yeah. so people know that I wrote no piece of this. He punched out a uh, producer of Natural Born Killers. That was a oh. famous. That was a famous uh, Hollywood s- scandal. Wow. I forget they were they so they ran into each other at a restaurant, and and Quentin just knocked Locked him out. Him. I've actually read Tarantino's screenplay for this, the original one. So have you guys ever read it? No, I've never read it. No, not very good. I, I mean, as great as he is, it, I, it's not a situation where I was like, oh, I wish I could have seen his version. I don't yeah. think his version would have been. I could be wrong. I mean, he's obviously yeah. uh, one of the greatest of all time. But this film I, feels very influenced by him, not just even dialogue and script writing. Like it was kind <clears> of <throat> trying to make a. Remember, like after Pulp Fiction, there was all those fucking knockoff Pulp Fictions. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, there's so many of them, and it was just like that that feel, just cuts and whatever. And this had that on crack basically <laughs> yeah it was like a lot of hitmen with like weird ticks you know they're yeah, like yeah and like we're gonna talk about fucking bagels and <laughs> <laughs> but yeah when oliver stone initially uh bought this script it was because he was looking for a break from heady films he was just like uh purchasing it to make just like an action film, I think he said, yeah. uh, a film that Arnold Schwarzenegger would be proud of. Uh, but then he just like he just sort of dug in once uh, all the OJ and Menendez and yeah, and uh, somebody was like, "Hey, I got LSD twenty five. Do you want it?" He's yeah, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I remember watching this movie, like being excited, and then being in the theater and being like, "This is not what I thought this was going to be from the mm-hmm. get go." That first fucking first scene is like, yeah, yeah, what the fuck. And then it ending and just like kind of walking back to the car with my mom and being like, uh, yeah, we should probably stop and get dinner or something before we go home. <laughs> not, talk about anything. not talk about any of this. Yeah. Not but a diner. A- We're not stopping at a diner. Yeah. What a microcosm for America. Let's look at this and then not talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I think that the most disturbing part of it though, because the whole thing is it's an intense fucking movie. Like very just, very intense it doesn't let up and it's not it's not super fun like i thought it was gonna be more fun it's not fun at all no and um the the most disturbing part to me was the fucking ronnie dangerfield battle oh, man battle yeah. thing was like so gross and i feel like that not that i didn't know what like the concept of like incest or abuse but for some reason that was the first time it really like hit me of like uh like a father can do that to his like daughter it was like yeah. very <clears throat> the, distur- the entire movie is disturbing. nauseating uh yeah. and i say that thinking that it is a complete masterpiece like as a work of art as a movie i don't really want to ever i mean we had to watch it for this but yeah. after that I don't, i'm never gonna watch it again um there's so many ideas in this movie like even just from shot to shot or cut there's like an idea behind it and it's uh, it's overload at some point. And I, uh, one more thing that I think he was sort of brilliant about that I didn't bring up with just reading those uh, articles about the uh, Asian hate crimes is that multiple times in this movie, something terrible will happen, like a, a scene of violence that then cuts to a commercial. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And there's a hilarious story where Coca-Cola was like, super mad because they didn't know what they had signed off for so they signed off the polar bears and then the movie came out they're like wait a minute what um on every one of those articles that i read about violence against asians there were numerous ads on it of like shop at the gap and it's like people being like yeah you know and like eating at like applebee's inside uh, built into these terrible news stories yeah, yeah, he. Uh, I think it's a little bit different now, but I think Oliver Stone said that he put the commercials in there both just to like saturate it and make it so much more about media, but also like we're we're just we're just blasted with uh, intensity, and our bodies can barely like take uh, 
how how awful television is and so like we start to see commercials as just soothing and so yeah. it's just like it's a break it's a break from the panic and so like that that's why you uh you have mickey just saying like i'm a natural born killer and yeah. uh, he's like hold that thought <laughs> then uh some or cool... you have a talk show host who's giving you blarney jokes and then is like by the oh, way shoot. don't be racist yeah. don't be racist uh, it's interesting you said that you would want to, uh, like, this is one of those lost scripts that you don't actually want to see, mm-hmm. uh, the Quentin Tarantino version. And, um, and I think it is, like, it is so jam-packed, and what Oliver Stone said about it, like, Quentin was mad that uh, Oliver rewrote so much of his stuff, but he said that, the movie that you would want to make at 26 is different yeah. from the movie I would want to make at 45. And so <laughs> right. that is like, he can't, he wanted to take a break and just make an action film and he can't help himself. He can't help himself. Yeah. He can't. Yeah. It's like, and it, it, I think it derailed him for a little bit. I mean, I think he made U-Turn after this, mm-hmm. which he definitely was like, okay, I'm just going to make a genre movie. And it stunk. It was like, no. Well, it's I'm funny. Like, it's just, I like, I just watched for the first time After Hours which I never like. It's a, yeah. And it's fucking great. Great picture. Like, I, I really had no nothing about it. I, Elizabeth and I watched it and she was like, what is this? I was like, I don't know. I think it's like Martin Scorsese's like, it's a comedy. And she was like, all right. <laughs> and so we're like watching it like, she's like, but you said this was a comedy. And I'm like, I thought it was. I don't know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> um, but it's so, and again, it's like, that one is Scorsese wanted to make Lost Temptation of Christ, they wouldn't let him. Mm-hmm. It fell through, so he was like, "I just want to make fucking something easy that like I could just be stylistically whatever." And so he just got the script and liked it and made it. But it's one of those like he can't help but make a fucking unnerving. <laughs> like, yeah, he can't. I mean, After Hours is so fucking tense. It's, it's so like... tense. Like the entire time, your butt's in a fucking knot because you're just like, "What the fuck's gonna happen to this dude?" <laughs> yeah. it just keeps it's... getting worse, but it's so weird uh but but again i was like yeah he can't help it like just these dudes can't help it like yeah have you ever seen trent reznor try to write a pop song (laughs) he tried to for this he watched this this movie uh 50 (laughs) times in a row which i don't recommend he wrote burn Burn after (laughs) it's this fucking soundtrack is fucking pretty good yeah, it's pretty it's good. It's fucking rad. It's great. It hits a lot of different notes. Like yeah. there there is the just sort of heart racing uh like violent rock for like some of the scenes and then like when they're uh when they're escaping the prison uh for the second time and like the uh the prisoners are all going to like take out the warden uh, it's just like this soft uh, Leonard Cohen song that is yeah. just making it yeah. like all the more dark and haunting. Mm-hmm. I think that stuff is the most disturbing to me. Is the prison prison escape stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that is just. I mean, he expertly filmed what it would be like when um, all rules of society are thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like he was just like this is what would go on. they would behead a warden and stick yeah. his head on a stick that would like by the way uh do heads just pop off like that <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. they got to okay. um they they didn't have any sharp objects they got to mm-hmm. i guess maybe uh one had a shiv in his mattress but also this is after uh uh what's his name uh, uh tommy lee jones or this is before tommy lee jones did two-face right Yes. Yes. Did he just did Two Face? That's just this character, correct? It's like yeah, it's pretty close. That performance is basically the same. Where I'm like, if you had never seen a Tommy Lee Jones movie, you'd be like, this guy is a fucking. How is he in this movie? This lunatic, like. And that's a weird uh, choice. That would have been back to back. It would have been Natural Born Killers, and he's like, all right, I'm gonna just keep going with Two Face. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Here's another quote from that Charlie Rose interview that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, He goes, I'm not saying all cops are corrupt, that all media is corrupt, but in this movie, they are. Uh, We're creating this three-headed monster, pillars of the establishment, an establishment that is corrupt. And we're, uh, I always struggle with this word, positing with these two anti-heroes who kill people 
who in a sense emerges pure phenomenon against the corrupt establishment, that by the end of the picture, they basically lead a revolution. And I was like, oh, that might be the best uh, uh, explanation of Donald Trump yeah. <laughs> that I've, I've heard yet, which is, yeah, I think people think that all of this stuff is corrupt. And then when a corrupt person comes in, they're like, yeah, fine. I mean, like, at least you're a different corrupt. I mean, you're not part of this corrupt. I will say when the uh, when the warden was uh, was showing Tom Sizemore's character the place and uh, like they're they're just walking down the halls. Uh, people are emerging bloody. They're like mm-hmm. uh, everything is getting in the way. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's all due to apparently the arrival of Mickey and Mallory. He's just like, yeah, everybody's worked up. Anyway, I'm going to sign a deal with uh, an entertainment company to live stream <laughs> an interview <laughs> with this person and televise it uh, to the populace, even though they're already worked up by this man in particular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Yes, what is it, Natapondi? What? I don't care what your fucking name is! The key Mallory knocks her loose. It's good, Natty's dead. And the live... On network TV, live on network TV. Jesus, Harold Christ, don't a fucking rubber crunch is this happening to me? That's the thing I remember about this movie too is from the poster and from the trailer. Uh, Woody Harrelson has a shaved head, yeah, but he only has a shaved head in the last part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, oh, like because I thought he just looked cool. Like I was like, he looks cool, yeah. like the glasses, and but you only get them at the end. I was like, most of it's a fucking weird ponytail. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like Taxi Driver. Was, yeah, he, he only has that mohawk, yeah, mohawk for a second. The last yeah. ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. God, weird. imagine, imagine uh, being a fan of uh, Cheers. <laughs> Cheers, Woody. Because, like, at this point in his career, he was only known for yeah. comedy. And it's just, yeah. like, your favorite actor. He He's finally got a starring role. I got to support the Woodster. Love Woody. Love yeah. Woody. I can't wait to talk about White Man Can't Jump. Ooh, uh, but it's not yes. even that. Yeah, I used to love that movie. Yes. Um, still do. And so did Stanley Kubrick, one of his favorite pictures of all time. Uh, but you guys... You're aware that in real life, Woody Harrelson's dad murdered a federal judge? Yeah. Or did he? He did. What do you mean, or did he? I don't know. I'm just saying there's some uh, kooky conspiracies about it. He might have been a Manchurian candidate type. I mean, I'll say this. I love a kooky conspiracy or two. Uh, I mean, I just made it up. But, uh, oh, <laughs> no. yeah, he did. I mean, he did. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Assassinated him, right? I mean, like, yeah. uh, like a like, rifle uh-huh. far away. The Woodster. <laughs> Papa Wood. <laughs> Popping Wood. Huh? Uh, um, since I don't think we're going to do our normal segments like, hmm, because the whole movie's a hmm. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and, uh, there's definitely no beat off. We're not doing that. No. <laughs> <laughs> We will have these segments that I, I said earlier that Oliver Stone goes for it. And this is part one. And this is uh, in regards to the prison stuff we just talked about. In the mess hall in the prison, a bald white man is staring at a black man, prompting oh the black God. man to try and attack him before being intercepted by Warden McCluskey. The bald man was a real prisoner who had been convicted of murdering his wife and children by beating them to death with a lead pipe. <laughs> Oliver Stone gave him a feature role because he said the man's stoicism terrified him. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. And yeah, the camera really lingers on that guy. And the way yeah. he just sort of have, has a calm smile, he's just like, you know, I thought I was going to get the notoriety I wanted from murdering my family, but this is my moment. This is my, <laughs> this is yeah. my five minutes. This is, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. Stone. I watched uh, on YouTube, there was like a, some like BBC documentary, like inside America's prisons, like death row. And this guy, this like British presenter going to the uh, meeting with these people. And I didn't realize in death row, like not that I, it's nice, but they had like, had like, there was a dude playing like fucking PlayStation in his room. Whoa. Like it was like fully like built out of as far as like 
he had like a little kitchen and like all this shit. I was like, that's not, should you be having that? It doesn't seem like as much of a punishment. I'm sure it is. I'm, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm sort of shrugging my shoulders because I think, <clears throat> I think prison is just one of those issues that uh, there's, you can't, one side is always going to be like, no, he shouldn't have a PlayStation. He should have a, a, a kitchenette. And then the other side will be like, well, he's still human. You know, he's still yeah. like we're mistreating him. He like, shouldn't just... have a PlayStation. He should have a Sega Saturn at most. <laughs> yeah, give him the old stuff. Give him yeah. a Sega CD, which sucks. Well, whatever it was, <laughs> it was like he had it. But then like there was like another dude who like had just gone off death row, but it was like he's off death row, but he still has to like a hundred and three year sentence or something like that. But he got moved from there to like the general population. And it was just one of those like big open rooms with like a little cubicle as his bed. And I was like, I wonder if part of him, like, after he got released, was like, fuck, I should have just stayed there. Because, like, now I'm like, mm-hmm. with all these people, I had a fucking built, like, so much better. Now, I've known you guys for a long time, but I don't know the answer to this. Are you guys pro-death penalty? We talked about this, bro. I'm yeah. Vengeance. Yeah, like, not that long ago. Yeah. You don't listen. I, think that's I, I am learned. just waiting to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I should be on your gravestone. Here lies Mike Postalakis. Are you done yet? <laughs> <laughs> speaking of casting a murderer uh in a featured role uh so this uh was filmed on location at statesville correctional center it was a functioning prison at the time and 80 percent of the inmates were in there for like violent offenses and i thought it was so funny that um for those like riot scenes they let these inmates just go at it on each other with rubber weapons. And it just said, it said uh, in the, in the place that I saw it, that uh, they then had to bus in a bunch of extras uh, because the prison was on lockdown. They didn't really say why, but I don't know, maybe like getting all these inmates to play fight and beat the shit out of each other. (laughs) That might've riled them up a little bit. I Look at Oliver Stone is crazy. Yeah. And, also, God, and God bless him. Also, uh, Juliet Lewis uh, was interviewed by Entertainment Weekly. Uh, and she was like, yeah, it's it's crazy. We filmed in that prison. But that's that's Oliver. He's just like, he was in the war. So he's just like, anything goes. Uh, and he said, uh, or sorry, she said, there's endless stories from the prison. But one of them is I had walking pneumonia. So I ended that film going, will I end up in the hospital or can I make it through? I was barefoot and we were crawling, running through fake bombs and smoke. And yeah, I had walking pneumonia the whole time. That was a trip. I didn't want to cost anybody money by taking a time out. So I pulled through. But the prison was fucked up. It was heavy. <laughs> can you I know imagine? The, I know that we discuss a lot of like, oh, these movies will never get made today. Yeah. This would never. No. I mean, just even the Absolutely I like. Not. Not even the subject matter, the way to capture it mm-hmm. would just never, ever, ever happen again. That's a real shame. This was a little tidbit that I found fascinating. Uh, do you know what the red glasses that uh, Woody Harrelson wears is in reference to? Did you guys see the same same little no, I didn't see that. No. Apparently, uh, they're a thing that I did not know existed. Uh they they bear a resemblance to chicken glasses because back when uh, we treated uh, chickens humanely uh, and had them just like open uh, to roam, the chickens would get into fights. And so uh, like any time that they saw red, it would infuriate them and they would peck each other to death. And so in old time farms, the <laughs> farmers would go to the aggressive one and put these cute little shades on them. Aww, so, that way, so, cute. so that way they just like always saw red and, and uh, weren't triggered by it. Isn't that adorable? That is yeah. adorable. Little yeah. fashionable chickens. You guys ready for Oliver Stone Goes For It Part 2? Yeah, Absolutely. 150 real rattlesnakes were used during <laughs> yep. filming. Of course. Real rattlesnakes. Why not? Why not? But it was at night and it was cold. And so the rattlesnakes like were a little bit sleepy, 
A lot of them took little cute little rattle naps. <laughs> they put little rattle glasses on them. Would you would you feel better uh, <laughs> stepping on a sleeping rattlesnake Because <laughs> or... again, like that that doesn't mean that it was completely safe. They didn't say that they defanged or like no, took no. out the venom. They were just like, uh, guys, don't worry, they're sleepy as hell. Like. <laughs> Mm. Also, it, it's cold uh, out. You're fine. 150 rattlesnakes is a lot of rattlesnakes, mm. and snake people. I feel I, this is totally me just being stereotyping. Seem like a kind of a crazy people, like a kind mm -hmm. of like where you're like, I need 150, of their, and they're like, man, I got 50. Uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> just go get. Yeah. yeah, they're all safe. They're all safe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're mm -hmm. they're fine. <laughs> And awesome. just and just burn them when you're done. I'm not coming back. Yeah, so. yeah I don't want them. Yeah, I don't need them. <laughs> We're not doing scenes that make you go. Hmm. You can, if you have one, definitely. I just didn't. I do. I just... Yeah, I think I think it's tough. Uh, just because it's satire, uh, and because uh, when when Oliver swings, he swings big. You know, you uh, mm -hmm. you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are definitely like some baffling choices. And I think the first one that comes to mind is the way that uh, Mickey escapes uh, prison uh, from Grand Theft Auto. So mm. the first time he goes to prison, uh, the way that he escapes is uh, it must have been uh, horse day <laughs> because right, like, sure. they were just yeah. on a ranch. And so I don't I don't I don't know too much about uh, prison culture, but do <laughs> do the. Do the guards just go like everybody? Uh, it's horse day. It's horse play day. Uh, and well, then... the scene is they're on they're on a horse, and then a tornado comes. Yeah, right. But they're like, why are they just in the corral? What? What? Oh, because they're doing work. I think. I mean, they're doing horse work. They're horsing around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you trust prisoners with just horse duties? They do that. That's they do that. Sure. They? I mean, they, they bring prisoners out to do manual labor all the time. But yeah. I also think that I understand what you're saying. It is somewhat of a bizarre choice, but. Well, the tornado um, is more bizarre, but just like yeah, of the ways yeah. you could break out of prison <laughs> on horseback. But, but the, the, the thing that the, why this movie is so great and why I like the Tarantino version, I was like, nah. It's like, I don't really care what the story is. You know what I mean? Like the story itself is whatever. I just think it's like the way this movie is made. And that's why I keep going back to like, there's so many ideas in every shot and every cut and how it goes from uh, Super 8 to video, yeah. like the rear projection, like everything is just, it, it's it's a visceral experience. And, and, and so it, like plot points to me are just like, I, well, sure, whatever, he escaped on a horse. Well, I yeah. got some more. Oh, you've got some more? Sure. Yeah. I'll shoot those down, too. Uh, I didn't think... <laughs> I thought that the character of Skagnetti was a very odd choice. He was, like... He he was the detective who was chasing down these two people, uh, but he didn't actually bring them in. Like, right. it was yeah. it was just, like, the pharmacy that called him. But, mm -hmm. like, the, the first time that he, like, he tracks down Mallory is uh she she had just killed the guy in the garage uh and he sees like the butt print and knows he knows that ass anywhere he's a horny little dog that guy and then he sees uh some dried saliva which doesn't look like dried saliva at all uh and then he picks up a hair and he's like basically like i gotcha it's time for you to like mallory let me introduce skagnetti uh, but it's a blonde hair, and she was wearing a wig during that scene, <laughs> so yeah. that wasn't her hair at all. No. Yeah. Well, I was going to say we should do a uh, who's the most disturbing character in this movie. He's up there. Yeah, yeah totally. and he's up there. It's like actually the worst. Like maybe that's that should be the thing. Who's actually the worst person in the movie? Uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, is, I mean, is the worst. Is the worst person bad. in the movie. Then I would say, I mean, that's this is weird. This is what the why the movie's yeah. brilliant and fucked up. It's making you sympathize with Mickey and Mallory. Yeah, and they're not even in the top five of that question. Yeah, which is like, Rodney, uh, yeah. I mean, the warden's pretty bad. Rodney Dangerfield uh, also like uh, wrote all of his lines. He like rewrote <laughs> yeah. everything. They just said like, play the dad from hell. Uh, I feel like I would be like, hey, don't tell everybody that <laughs> I'm the one saying. 
I uh, uh, I don't really want to be attached to, to all of these awful. Especially things. because Rodney apparently didn't get it. He didn't get yeah. what was going on. Yeah, and you know his previous movies are Ladybugs and uh, Back to School. So you know he's he's in it for the paycheck. And uh, love Rodney, one of the greatest. Uh, he's, he's literally like, he's shooting on like a sitcom set. So he's like, oh, what, what channels is going to be on? CBS, <laughs> NBC, what is? Yeah, and that's the thing of like. You know, I, the movie's so visceral, and it would be I don't I don't want to nitpick like each idea because it's like I don't know if that even works because it's like I don't know if uh, sitcoms. Uh, what am I trying to say? Like uh, like sitcoms bred bat like subversive ideas in because I don't think they did. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I, what what is the point of that scene? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, John Kenneth Muir who is a, a film scholar. And he he wrote about this scene in horror films of the 1990s. Um, and he said the reason that it's a television sitcom parody is to chart the colossal gulf between the imagery sold to America regarding family life and the actual truth for many Americans. Sure. Yeah. So so it it is about it is about like just sort of the dark side of both like the w- the way that media portrays how family life should be and what's actually going on and what they're actually profiting from. Yeah. And then, like you said, you got to swing big. So it's, it's yeah. leave it to Beaver, but it's actually a incestual uh, father. No, I get yeah. it. I, I don't know if that one, if that segment completely hits the mark, mm-hmm. but because it is involved with everything else, it's just, it's just so stomach churning. Yeah. Uh, my, not really a scene that makes me go, hmm, but it's just that opening scene. It's one of the things that bugs me in movies is when somebody's dancing and it's obviously they're not dancing to the song we're hearing, mm-hmm. but they played something different on the day. Cause I was just like, what the fuck is she doing? Like, mm-hmm. And then the dude joining in with her, it made no sense. Like none of that made sense really. Yeah. Also Except to serve the plot of like, well, now they're going to kill these people. Right. Mm-hmm. But also, the uh, I I understand that his friend sat down and he really wants to wolf down that beer as quick as possible. But like, she was beating his ass for a full forty seconds before he did yeah. anything. And these are this isn't like a cute little play fight. Like these are full on punches, actual kicks. He, she breaks multiple bottles. Mm-hmm. Support your friend. And then she can he, throw some punches though. That, yeah, I she, that was, was pretty yeah. funny. It's just a good form. Yeah, she was whooping his ass. Yeah. Oliver Stone uh, made her take kickboxing classes. I bet he did. <laughs> <laughs> While on psilocybin. No, it's good. It's good. It'll uh, it'll help the scene. Um, uh, yeah, there was ahead. There was one uh, other like little funny thing. I, obviously, details don't matter. Uh, we're <laughs> we're going for the feel rather than for the actual story, but I thought it was so funny that uh, they he's in prison, um, and they let him have a single earring, like he wanted to wear both, and they're like, okay, you can have one, you can have. Uh, we know yin yang is sort of your whole thing, the lightness and the darkness. Uh, sure, you could probably stab somebody with said earring, but go for yeah. it. Yeah, it's, it's it really shows the dangerous, slippery slope between mass killer and uh, new age knickknack shop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about like prison though. I remember watching like I don't know why I've seen so much prison stuff, but like some dude doing a prison story, he was talking about like what's like one of the craziest things you've seen in there, and he was like just with like the idea of everyday objects like that they're allowed. He was saying that like, he saw some dude get beat up, jumped. And uh, it was one of those, like, big, you know, like I said, like, the big dormitory-type, gymnasium-type situations. And that, like, he got the shit kicked out of him. And then that night, this dude was, sleep- like, he was, like, almost on my top bunk, like, reading. And I saw, like, everyone was asleep. And I saw this dude who got beat up walking towards the bathroom. And the dude who beat him up was laying asleep in his cot, which was on also on the way to the bathroom. And he's, like, I saw this dude who had got beat up earlier that day, pull out a pencil and then go to the guy's ear. And he like then saw me looking at him and just looked up 
and smiled and uh, went, pop no and then walked into the restroom walked back. <laughs> that dude just oh, never got up and i was like jesus Christ. but i was like where do you get the fucking pencil but i was like they're probably allowed pencils why wouldn't they be allowed pencils like i don't think they're allowed pencils you probably definitely not. i don't think they are you probably snuck it in right you probably bought it like spoons and and 10 cigarettes gets you a pencil what do you think they give them crayons like they, i'm sure they get pencils but i was like I like yeah, Mickey gets a fucking earring. <laughs> <laughs> but how awful is that? Man, I mean, it's crazy. awful. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Yeah, I don't, I don't care for that. I don't care for that one bit. Yeah. I would not, uh, would not want that to happen to me. Yes, the way he described it. Oof. I watch a lot of prison stuff too. I find it very fascinating. Yeah, Angel and I watched one that was like in women's prison. Oh yeah, on, on Netflix. That's not a documentary, uh, and it's not on Netflix. It's on Cinemax. I've seen it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're all, they're always showering, and yeah. then like it seems like a lot of fun. They kiss and boobies touch and smack each other, and I think it's called Chain Teat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we suggested doing a uh, doing a segment called the Grinder. Uh, did we mm-hmm. ever come up with a new name for that? Oh, I thought we were gonna call it. Uh... Uh, through the wait, through the winger, because we were going to name it after Deborah Winger, <laughs> right? That's the same one, right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like where Hollywood just you're hot one minute and cold the next. And I, I think it really, uh, it is really fitting, just um, in terms of this person's uh, downfall, uh, in relation to natural born killers, because it is just. Uh, the exploitation and just like feeding the beast of uh, the American public. I want to talk about Tom Sizemore for a little mm-hmm. bit. Sure, yeah. Tom Sizemore, top of the world, mm-hmm. worked uh, with Oliver Stone, Stone uh, Scorsese, uh, countless, countless great pictures. Michael Mann. Michael yeah. Mann, uh, just like heralded as as a great actor um uh robert de niro uh once told him like i want you to get clean uh because i think of you like a son to me Mm -hmm. um and he just couldn't for the life of him and uh apparently uh he left but i only say this because uh we mentioned edie falco in the last episode uh he left her behind in new york uh he was uh. that was that was his girlfriend uh he moved to la after uh being in uh born on the 4th of july he went out with uh co-star robert downey jr and uh joined the party snorted cocaine for the first time and then got the name of downey's dealer within 2 weeks was a daily user Mm-hmm. Um, uh, apparently on this film, uh, he started dating the much younger Juliette Lewis. She was 19. He was 32. Uh, Sizemore basically like moved into her giant Hollywood mansion. She never wanted to leave the house. A big TV was always on plain porn. Uh, he'd asked to turn it off and she's like, no, I like the music. And so they were just like, <laughs> They were just living the high life. Uh, he uh, kept working. He worked with uh, Val Kilmer on Red Planet, which filmed in uh, Australia. They got in a fight because Kilmer found out that production had paid for Sizemore's elliptical machine to be shipped to Australia. Uh, I love that tidbit. Uh, but when he came back from Australia, like his... Um, his addiction was starting to grow. And so his wife at the time left him. And that's when he got mixed up with meth and Heidi Fleiss. Long story short, Heidi Fleiss, Hollywood's madam, uh, said that he hit her. Uh, <laughs> and he ended up going uh, to a short prison stint. At this point, I guess 2005, he, uh, he couldn't get work. He was homeless for stints. Uh, he makes his own pornography oh, with, yeah. with six women. Uh, on IMDb, it's called Triple X Tom. Uh, it was put out by Vivid. Uh, the chyron for it is actor Tom Sizemore philosophizes about life and his criminal past during a romp with a trio of hookers in a Hollywood motel. 
but yeah that was just like his is that a porno or he just filmed himself being crazy i think he night. just filmed himself being crazy yeah and like the cops came he's like no i'm filming a porno and he's like, <laughs> I yeah guess that's technically legal he just <clears throat> he needed the money and so so he released it um but at this point uh as media uh is want to do the sharks started circling uh they got him uh debuted in january 7th 2007 on vh1 the documentary se- uh, series Shooting Sizemore, mm-hmm. uh, which is about his struggles uh, staying sober. Uh, really funny title. Uh, you know, because he does heroin, and they called mm-hmm. it Shooting Sizemore. That is rough. Yeah. Uh, then uh, That's better than Back on the Horse, the Tom Sizemore story. Oh. <laughs> uh, then... Uh, apparently, uh, Celebrity Rehab had tried to get him the first season. He said no. The second, the second season, uh, uh, Drew Pinsky said, uh, he came in for two hours sweating and completely high on drugs, talking a million miles an hour, acting like he was going to do it and then deciding he didn't want to. And then finally he did season three. But I watched some of season three uh, yesterday, and he shows up two days late. Then he, like, leaves because he says he needs to go see his kids. They can't keep him there. So, like, he just takes off, comes back the next day. His girlfriend at the time comes in and then hides drugs, like, in his trash can, and -hmm. they find everything. Uh, It's awful it's like it's so hard to watch and then um his uh he goes straight from that so he did shooting size more for vh1 then he does celebrity rehab that just fed into sober house which is another vh1 show and that just that just showed you like how sensational and just like there there was a period in you know the the early aughts as we say uh that was just like vh1 heightens reality and we're just like we're we're just salivating over uh these people people sure awful, i mean it was like saving lives. bonaducci there was yeah a and e did the two Corys, and Corey hames dead you know by the end of season two yeah i remember when celebrity rehab was on and jeff conaway of greece mm-hmm. fame uh-huh. was on it and I went to uh, Sardo's in the Valley to do stand-up one night. Got there early, and I saw Jeff. The place was empty, and I saw Jeff Conaway at the bar drinking. And he was just, like, hunched over, and he was by himself, and he was just sipping whatever. And then the comedian started coming in, and you could see, like, the guy setting up the, the mic and the mic stand. And Jeff Conaway just kind of looks at what's going on, pays and gets out of the stool and he's like all hunched over and i just watched him like hunch walk out the bar and i was like oh yeah of course he's gonna leave because it's like a bunch of comedians are gonna be in there and he's probably scared to death that they're gonna make fun of him yeah and then i think he was dead two weeks later yeah the uh it was really it's really haunting like watching watching those uh those series now not that like anyone really finds their way to them but uh from that cast season three of celebrity rehab uh mike star uh was uh he was like uh arrested on felony counts of like controlled substances and then found dead uh joey kovar uh, same thing, like died of opiate intoxication. Mindy McCready, who was a country star, she killed herself. Yeah. And and yeah, like all of this just happened within like, you know, a, a two year span or something. No, it's disgusting. Yeah, you watch those, the two Corys and you're like, Corey Haim is dead. I mean, like he's gonna, this is not ending well. It's yeah. like, why are you guys filming him? He doesn't even know where he is right now. But yeah, like uh, Oliver Stone was right to to say, hey, maybe we're going a little far. Uh, yeah, and we only went further. We went further. Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, this is like not as near, not nearly as serious. But I was reading a thing today about which I don't ever remember, 
because it was British, but uh, there was a British reality series. I forgot it was called, but it was about like in 2004, I want to say it was, about tricking people into thinking they were going to space. Do you guys remember this? <laughs> what? No, I don't. So, so there's in 2004, they, the, and BBC made this series that was about the whole thing was we're it's a big prank we're just gonna prank these people but as a whole oh fucking series. And so what it was is they like did psychological tests like with like like what type of person will be on the show we, we like we need people who are like who are excited about stuff like who like aren't really going to question things like not dumb they're like we don't want dumb people we just want people who are like who are the type of people who would like volunteer to be hypnotized at a fucking magic show you know like <laughs> anyways so they got like people from all walks of life and the whole show was like so we're gonna like train as if you're going to we're well first they were like you guys are going to train in russia so what they did is they just got into a plane and flew around england for four hours and then landed back in england <laughs> And we're like, here, we're here in Russia. And then everyone was like, great, we're in Russia. Like, never questioned it. And then they, like, did all these training things. It was like an elimination show where finally, like, only four got to go to space. And we're like, and they had one plant. Some comedian was, like, a plant who was, like, he knew what was was happening. And so he was, like, able to, he was one of the people who got chosen as well. But, like, even he was, like, he felt so bad for, like, this one girl who was, like, doing really well. And he was like, I, the, he was like, when I saw her face, like not, she wasn't gonna get picked. He's like, I felt so bad, even though I knew there was nothing for her to go to. You know, right. like <laughs> this is all fake, but I felt so bad. But the, so then, like, they go on this like space trip, which I think was just a fucking plane that just kind of landed again. With like, they put fake screens on the outside of it, so when they open it up, it was just like TVs playing footage from outer space. But they. They, I guess there's something that astronauts, uh, an experience, I forgot what it's called, where like when they see the earth for the first time from space, it's like this very weird existential feeling of like, oh, we're so small and whatever. Sure, yeah. And they're like, these people had that feeling, wow. even though it wasn't real, they still, mm-hmm. it is real because they had it in their head, they had it. Anyway, so then like, I guess during like their space trip, like a couple of them were like, I don't think we're, I think we're like in a caravan somewhere like and then they were like okay you guys are gonna go like walk to mars or something or you know walk to the moon uh and they opened the door and it was just like their friends and families and it was like very like anticlimactic that's so like the host of it was like i felt he's like i never worked in tv again because he was like i just felt like yeah we were going in a very mean spirit he was like even though it wasn't super mean spirited he was like i just felt so bad for these people and like i didn't like where it was going uh, which was very interesting. Like, sure, let's bring it all back. TV and media is what's wrong. You're yeah. the ones who do all the mean, cruel things. <laughs> you're the ones who made millions off of racial stereotypes. And now you're coming back and being like, blaming the public. Like, oh, it's your fault. Like, shaming us. It's like, no, you are the ones who kept this going for all these years. And you literally make a, you know, Irish drunken Mick jokes, and then you're like, okay, don't be racist. <laughs> like, oh, this is a good time to talk about our sponsors. We want to uh, thank <laughs> NBC, uh, the Washington Post. But I just like it's so crazy that they they take both the high road and they're the ones who they play both sides. That's the way to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm willing to take partial credit. I watched The Celebrity Apprentice, and I thought he was an idiot back then, but I put some money in his pocket by watching. Yeah, I just think like Disney's like, oh, this movie's racist. It's like, you're the one who made it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Huh? Whoops. All right, let's go to reviews. Let's go to reviews. Roger Ebert loved this movie. He gave it four stars. He said, seeing this movie once is not enough. The first time is for the visceral experience. The second time is for the meaning. As we coast into the long autumn where the news will be dominated by the O.J. Simpson trial, Natural Born Killers is like a slap in the face waking us up to what's happening. Uh, Now we're going to our heralded segment, Everyone's a Critic, where we look at Amazon reviews. Uh, Vera Hearn gave this film one star. Vera wrote one star. 
This was an extremely weird movie and a waste of my time. Vera Hearn also gave five stars to Arrow 214 Genuine Quarter Inch Staples. My husband says these are awesome. The price is right and they work flawlessly. It comes in the original package and was torn a little, but the product works wonders. Good, good. Fucking, that movie was a waste of my time. However, have you ever joined papers together? (laughs) The technology (laughs) is so impressive. We also have John Roberts, gave this film one star, wrote, Terrible movie, but my wife loves it. I admit, it is unfair for me to rate it, so here's my wife's review. I would rate it 10 stars. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Woody Harrelson as Mickey is such an awesome stretch from being Woody in Cheers. Such an awesome choice in actors. Great flick, great music, great everything. John Roberts also gave five stars to the 365 Puppies a Year Picture a Day Wall Calendar 2016. Cute. Cute. Exactly what we wanted. Do you guys want you do you guys want one more? Sure, yeah. Sure, let's do it. All right, let me pick. I have two more. Uh <laughs> uh Larry 17 gave this one star, wrote, Great cast, lame story. Great actors, but like all QT films, it's the same old recipe. Boring anime-like violence, cheesy storyline. This person also gave five stars to Hydro Flask 21-ounce water bottle. Five stars. Really pretty water bottle my wife got. The only bad thing was some old lady tried to steal it. If she had stolen it, would the product have gotten a worse review? <laughs> I think four yeah. stars. It's too, four stars? Okay. It's too stealable. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Also, yeah. this person gave five stars to Fresh and Clean Scented Shampoo and wrote, best dog shampoo I ever used. <laughs> they also reviewed a memory foam floor mattress and said, really good. Wasn't expecting much. Just needed a temp bed. And I'm surprised how comfy this is. I'm curious about every like. There's more yeah. to there's more to the story on every single one of these reviews. <laughs> I just want a conversation with Larry Seventeen. The real story is that the life expectancy of the average human is too long. <laughs> we've, we've gotten too good at medicine. We've gotten too good at everything. We're just we're here too. We're here for far too long. All three of us should be dead. Well, uh, tune in uh, to find out how haunting this eventually is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is and there I, one more? Or are we we heading to Pop Corner. Let's head on over to Pop mm. Corner. Mm. Pity Pop. I'm going to give this movie um, popcorn flavored uh, Benadryl. Like, just like some, something you take that just is gross and I'll you're going to be flying and you're not going to know if it's good or if it's Mm -hmm. bad. Uh, It's mostly going to be bad, make you feel kind of Mm -hmm. horrible. Mm -hmm. Uh, You'll be happy you took it after Mm -hmm. you think. Yeah. Yeah. That's my review. I'm going to give this movie um, some Halloween style popcorn where you're asking for extra butter and they're running a promotion where it's like blood red butter and so it's just it's it's popcorn that's covered in what looks like blood and it tastes good but like you still kind of get sick to your stomach because you can't your eyes are thinking and therefore you're experiencing uh the feeling of eating blood yeah yep i'm gonna give it uh you're sitting on the couch uh just munching away at popcorn you're watching a movie and you're like i'm not I don't like this movie. This is a complete waste of time. And you start thinking of like, I, I should have, I should have watched Caddyshack again. Cause I love Caddyshack. And in, in that moment, a pop kernel gets lodged in your throat and uh, you start choking and you're by yourself and you don't know what to do. You never learned the Heimlich maneuver. Um, you're, 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 you're desperate grasps, gasps for, for air 
uh, become shallower and sh shallower and shallower. You start turning blue. Uh, you fall to the floor, and you have your last moments on Earth. And in your mind, right before it's all like the the light comes and gets you, you remember that uh, you gave a water bottle five star review on Amazon. <laughs> that that's the culmination of your life. Wow. And you're gone. You're dead. Later, bro. Wow. <laughs> we this this episode covered a lot. It yeah, did. it really <laughs> did. You know, it's a real it's a real smorgasbord. It's a cornucopia of topics. I mean, look, if you just want to talk about like, hey, this actor was cool, then the rewatchables is for you. Yeah. But if you want to if you want to if you want an in-depth takedown of the media, uh, we'll throw in our own conspiracy theories. Uh, you want some morbid takes on life and death. Then the cable boys, that's for you. Yeah. So, yeah. so you're saying like one out of every ten podcast listeners. Hey, that's a lot. That's pretty good. I'll that's take that. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. How do we market that? How do we market like our podcast will bum you the fuck out? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean overall podcast listeners. I'm talking about niche uh, movie review podcasts. Oh. Mm. <laughs> I mean, ten percent still feels pretty high for. Yeah. <laughs> but but hey, you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. That is a quote from Oliver Stone. <laughs> That's a quote from Tom Sizemore. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the shots you don't inject. <laughs> you take them. <laughs> that was my Tom Sizemore. Sorry, Tom. Well, we have been the Cable Boys. Thank you so much uh, for being the one percenters that actually listen to our podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitch every Wednesday at 6, uh, at Cable Boys Pod. You can find us on Instagram, iTunes, Spotify, all under roughly the same name. Uh, you can tune in on Wednesday to find out what movie we're doing next week. And so for all of us at the Cable Boys have uh have blessed lives i hope you live uh for longer than your life expectancy stop taking up space <laughs> <laughs> all right it. then join us next week when kevin and i will be hosting <laughs> hosting posts memorial yeah mm -hmm. the roast of post <laughs> mm. oh fun. i got great material <laughs> <laughs> all right Eat shit, stay tuned, die. Bye. Bye.